0: Welcome to the Angular Licious Podcast. Angular And now your host, Matt Vaughn. Hi everyone, I'm Matt Vaughn, the host of the Angularlicious Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Last week we introduced the topic of software architecture. This episode is going to be part two of that, and we're going to talk about specifically how we can apply effective architecture with Angular, angular projects, angular solutions. So stay tuned. So being effective in anything, it's not just a buzzword or a dream, it's possible. So being effective in anything is a process and an endeavor that requires a commitment, a commitment to excellence. So it's not something that happens overnight. Uh, you don't read a book and uh, you're all you, you become effective or an expert at something. Uh, it takes practice, it takes time. When individuals reach excellence or effectiveness in some given field, it's almost like they're doing it without thinking, by intuition. It isn't that they're not thinking. They have muscle memory or mind memory, and it really gives them the ability to do things at the highest level. And when you see it, you kind of know it. You can't explain it, but you see them doing it. So it happens to individuals who spend a certain amount of time for a specific endeavor so they can learn and and do it well at that high level. Think about it, even something very simple. Ask someone who prepares your favorite dish, your favorite meal. How did they just do that? It might be hard for them to explain all of the details on how they did it, The point is that they probably have done it over and over and over again, over many years. So this time and practice has enabled them to do this very thing without even thinking. Not that they weren't thinking, but... They're just, it's like an intuition for them. So each and every day that we create software or applications, what we're really doing is practicing. We're getting better every day. So we should be trying to improve on what we do and how we do it. So do you think about where the keys are on your keyboard when you're typing your code? Well, over time, you probably don't even think about it. You just start typing code, right? Well, effective architecture is a practice just like that but it's a practice of different disciplines processes and different principles not rules but a lots of principles so if done properly there's Always ways to to be more effective, and when we think about it, technology has changed pretty fast, and I think it's changing faster and faster as time moves forward. things that we did twenty ten or even five years ago may not be effective anymore, we need to continually evaluate and change course to make sure that we 're always on the right path so remember effective architecture it 's the practice of different disciplines, processes. and and adherence to specific principles. So what I've done is um, I've distilled effective architecture into three elements, as discussed in part one of the uh, podcast here. And individually, they can't stand on their own. They're all required to work together to be effective. Some may appear to be more valuable on their own merits, but when we think about it, the result, when you think about the result, each one has a specific responsibility, and they're very important. So we're going to talk about three things, experience, essentials, and execution. Before we uh, jump into this uh, topic, some questions to consider that demonstrates the need for all degrees of effectiveness to be present, right? So let's think about this for a second. So would a team win a championship without strong leadership from players, coaches, and the owners of that team? And what if that team had the best equipment and experienced leaders? Would they win if they never practiced or executed the playbook? And what if that team had excellent leadership, they practiced diligently, however their equipment and tools and playing field was in shambles? Would they still be effective? Would they win every game or the games that they should win? And here's the last question. What if a team member ran a different play than their teammates during the game. Would that be effective? Would they still win? So we're going to talk about effectiveness and how it involves leadership, how it involves tools and materials and experienced leaders, and how we need to execute and practice diligently, and how we need to run the same play and do things consistently and such. And we're going to apply these to software Uh, development, but more specifically with Angular, right? So some people, uh, when we're talking about experience, the first one, some people say there's no substitute for it. The good thing about experience is that all you need is to be there and learn from the event, right? Um, Some people think experience is the length of time that you do something. Well, we've probably worked with people that we know, or we know people have worked for maybe even decades with a specific company, Maybe doing the same job. Do they have experience? Uh, Do they have 30 years of experience? I I think, they yes, they do. But how much experience do they really have? How how long did it take for them to learn that specific job or or skill to be able to do it effectively? Experience involves how we start things off and uh, how we plan and how we design. And that's really one of the most important parts of software architecture is design and planning. So design and planning is a thought process. It, uh, it really involves experience, knowing uh, how to answer the questions of, of uh, who, who is going to be using the software, why are they going to be using it, when will they use it, uh, how, um, uh, how will they use it, and most importantly, why are they going to be using it, what problems are we trying to solve, what are the objectives and goals, and how are we going to meet them with what we deliver, right? Right. So, when you think about it, in a company or a team, technical leadership is really responsible for design. So, maybe you don't have a tech lead or an architect in your team or company, but somebody has to take the lead in doing it. And maybe that switches off over time. It's different people or uh, a group of people take this role and responsibility and do it. So what it really means is we need the experience. We need this technical leadership to start the design and planning phase of any application or project that we want to start doing. So it uh, is something that has to happen before. And sometimes uh, we get so excited about starting a new project The first thing we want to do is just jump in and start writing code and doing the things that we know how to do, right? But we've seen projects that start off that way, and usually the projects don't really end up in delivering the right thing at the right time for the right people. A lot of times you're going back and redoing things, or there's bugs and defects that you didn't think through because you didn't do the design and planning in the first place. So... It makes uh, delivery of the solution way more difficult when you do that. There's always these uh, continuation of unexpected events that come up when you're developing. There's delays or maybe excuses, late nights, working weekends, all these different things. You might even miss entire features of the application or forget about even simple cross-cutting concerns like logging or exception handling or configuration those things. These are really mistakes that should have been caught in the beginning. So if you do it up front, uh, you're not going to miss those things. and You're going to deliver the right thing. Part of uh, the planning stage of your application involves understanding what the application is going to do. So when you understand what your application needs to do, you can organize the features into specific groups. So how many of us, when we uh, join a team or, or we're uh, working on this project or we're asked to do something, add a feature or work on a feature in a product, and, and you don't even know where it began because the code is so unorganized. So we need to think about that up front. And there's also the features, but behind the scenes, there's also all of these infrastructure concerns, not really related to the domain of the application, but they should be considered as as part of the thought and design and planning. When people move into a brand new house that's beautiful, Uh, they may not think of the foundation, the strong foundation that it sits on, the framing, the expertise in how the plumbing, the electrical, and the air systems were installed, and how the design was put in place where you don't even see these things, but they're there. And they play an important role in making a home very comfortable and uh, being effective in a, uh, a comfortable home. So, So a house uh, wouldn't be uh, too much of uh, anything without these uh, cross-cutting or infrastructure concerns. And when we think about software we're gonna be missing a lot if we forget to talk about them as well. For an example, uh, one application, I I joined a team and uh, they've been working on this application for over two years. When I started looking at the code, uh, well first, there was nowhere to view the application. So it wasn't deployed anywhere after two years. So one of the first things we needed to do was to create a continuous integration and continuous deployment or a CI/CD plan. And that's one of the first things we implemented uh, when I got there. And so we could actually start writing code and it can start doing things continuous integration and then we can deploy it to different environments and people can start having, uh, can look at the application and there's visibility and transparency in what's being done and when it's being done and things like that. So that was very helpful. But these cross-cutting concerns like logging and exception handling, um, there was none of that in the application. In fact, the error handling, uh, the error handler for the Angular app was commented out. So it was just using the default uh, error handling in Angular. Hi, everyone. I wanted to let you know that during the last several months, I've been working pretty hard on a new book. It's called Angular Architecture. And it's about applying enterprise principles, patterns, and practices in Angular applications. So we're doing things that we didn't have the capabilities before, like layered architecture, clean architecture, and tiered architecture in the front end. So we're taking advantage of the capabilities of TypeScript angular and the tooling that we have with the angular platform like angular workspace we're looking at narwhal nx dev extensions things like that how to allow us to build and uh, apply these architectures in a way that uh, we've never been able to do before so it's pretty exciting i put all these ideas and thoughts and and ways to do this in a book accompanied by a github repository and an application so you can follow along and if you'd like to have a copy of this book Uh, You can just uh, go to my website, Angularlicious, uh, do the uh, get offer, uh, click, and uh, we'll give you a coupon for 50% off on the retail price of that book. So when we talk about planning and uh, these features uh, of an application, really that's kind of the focus when you uh, are designing and planning. But really, don't forget how important the infrastructure concerns are, uh, the cross-cutting concerns. And when we think of our features and such, really, code organization is one of the key elements of effective architecture. And when I say organize, I mean that you need to organize and group-related things together. Angular gives us the mechanism to organize our code and our applications. So we have the Angular module, right? Right? So in our Angular module is a place for us to put uh, components that are related to each other, services, directives, pipes, all these things related to certain features. So we can actually have a a module, a feature module, for each of the domain features of your application. So depending on how complex your application is, you can have several application or Angular modules to kind of organize your code in, in this manner. Um, I've worked on some Angular apps that everything was put into app module, kind of like app modules a junk drawer, and it just had everything in it. The code was so unorganized. Uh, one of the things we didn't do because you didn't have modules is there was no ability uh, to do lazy loading of of modules, and uh, the performance and loading of this one big ginormous app module caused some problems. So we later had to uh, segregate things and, and reorganize our code using uh, feature modules and such. So if you've got shipments and orders and customers and all that, you're going to have an Angular module where you can put all those uh, related things together. Most of the time uh, these applications have Several features, and um, it's good to organize them. We have the, we have uh, these uh, uh, features in Angular that help us to organize our code um, very very distinctly. So, um, part of that uh, organization starts with analysis and design and planning, right? So, um, I want to really emphasize the plan, though. It's really not. Uh, an optional thing um, sometimes when a developer is uh, developing an application they may think uh, they don't need analysis and design or even planning um, they may be so good or have a lot of uh, uh, experience that they kind of they're just doing it intuitively we talked about being such an expert well some people can do that but remember software for most teams teams is a team sport so when you have individuals doing it, one way or their way or whatever. They're really not sharing their knowledge experience. Uh, There really is no defined plan. What if that person leaves or gets hit by a bus or whatever situation is, and other people have to work on these things? You want to have the ability to uh, know how to work on these things and have a plan, have recipes, have specific patterns and practices that the team uh, will agree on, on how you're going to execute uh, the uh, application so that you don't have all these variances of uh, implementations all over the application. When we're talking about uh, uh, planning and, and creativity and all this stuff, uh, really uh, the last uh, and the most unimportant question, and the last question to ask is how you're going to do it. Um, once you understand all the other questions like uh, who, when, why, where, um, and such, those are those and what defining the what of what's going on. Those are those really help you understand what you need uh, for the application. How you're going to do it uh, begins looking kind of more technically. What what tools are you going to use? How are we going to organize the software? What services do we need? And uh, are we going to need uh, web APIs on the back end? And what's the data going to look like? Things like that. So we're talking about more technology-specific concerns. And that's really the last question that you want to start uh, uh, talking about. But it's very important because... We have to consider one other thing that uh, normally isn't thought of during analysis and design is your selection of tools and materials. Uh, Tools and materials fall under the second category of effective architecture, Essentials. So, you need these essential things like tools and materials, but you need to consider which ones you're selecting in terms of your architecture because they can have a profound impact on the delivery and how the application is uh, uh, developed. Think about any third party libraries, any uh, different frameworks that you might want to investigate or think about using in your application. And because of their capabilities, it might change the design or how things are implemented or planned out uh, in the planning and design stages of uh, your application. In in real life, you know, a lot of developers just kind of want to be left alone and they want to just to create and innovate. And they may think that all this design planning and creating these patterns and recipes and choosing tools and all this kind of stifle their creativity. And I just want to say that in real life, we have to play along in specific environments all the time. We just can't be me, right? When you go to Starbucks, there's a, way to, there's a way to get in line. There's a way to order your coffee. There's a place to go get your coffee. There's a whole scenario and whole kind of scheme and process there. And you just know what that is if you've gone there over and over again, as most uh, developers uh, like coffee and do. In real life, we're part of a team. And being a team player means that uh, we uh, have to go along with the playbook, the scheme, right? And if the team agrees upon a specific scheme or a playbook or a certain way of doing things for an application, then it's really the responsibility of every team member individually to make sure that they try to align what they do to that scheme or playbook. And so what uh, my team is doing, we actually are creating a playbook for our standards and uh, practices and processes and recipes on how we want things. Also, the architecture of our web stack. How do our components communicate to the back end? What's in between? We're going to have these domain services. How do we execute business logic? How do we do business rule uh, validation, how do we do data validation, things like that. So we're going to have a playbook that documents all these things so that we don't have different ways of doing them in different applications. And that way we can create some consistency in what we're doing, and that's going to allow us to to move a lot faster and to uh, be able to move from different applications or different domain services. And be familiar with uh, the architecture and things like that. And if we have to leave the application and come back, it's going to be easier to engage um, because uh, we're familiar with it. If we think of Consistency uh, mentioned as one of the results of the playbook. You could look at historical architecture as a good example of that. Some of these things have maybe taken decades or hundreds of years to build, like uh, the Great Pyramids of Giza and such. And I'm I wonder how long it took for uh, builders of the the Eiffel Tower. It probably took decades to build that. But what if you had somebody on the team or project in one part of the project, and they decided, you know what, I'm just going to use some different tools and materials here. I'm tired of using those other ones. Tired of that. Do you think that the, the Eiffel Tower would still be here today, or these great pyramids of Giza would still be here if they changed how they built it right in the middle, or if different builders came in and just did it their own way without following the plan? Well, Software can be like that sometimes. It could get into uh, total chaos because there's so much deviation of individuals or several individuals really not following the initial plan and design. During the development process, that's the last thing that we're going to talk about here, the development process. It's part of the third phase or uh, element of effective architecture, which is execution, meaning When you're developing the code and writing the features and doing all these things, it means that we're doing a lot of different things, but we still have to be following the plan and designs. And that means someone should ensure that. If a developer is checking code in, maybe there's a merge request or or a uh, pull requests that needs to be reviewed by one or more team members so that they can make sure that the the success criteria is met, that uh, the code quality is there, that the right feature was developed for the right people, and that it's uh, it's it has the right amount of testing, if, if it's unit or specification tests or even integration tests, right? So when we're thinking about the an Angular environment, we have the ability to use tools like Cypress to create end-to-end testing, these integration tests. We have other tools like Jest that allow us to create these specification tests that kind of act and exercise like uh, these little units of work throughout our application, whether it's in a component or business logic uh, classes, things like that. We can take advantage of these tools and make sure that uh, our code is tested Uh um, at the right level of testing, and that the tests add value. So it's not just writing tests to say that we did test for our application. Every test that uh, is in your workspace or application or solution should add value. And um, there's many reasons for uh, testing and reasons why you should. We won't cover them here, but uh, that's part of the execution, though. And execution means you're following that plan. Uh, you're doing things like uh, you're integrating the work from your other team members using maybe a good uh, branching strategy. If you're using Git, you might consider using GitFlow, a process to uh, have a branch strategy for your uh, software development um, workflow. And when you start thinking about these things, it really kind of folds right into continuous integration, continuous deployment, and that 's really the the ultimate because you 're actually delivering working software software incrementally from the very early stages of development to the end stages of development when you have full fledged applications with almost one hundred percent full feature functionality so by that time, if you use a CI CD process, you've probably deployed the applications hundreds and hundreds of times. So, deploying the application to the full production environment for everyone to use for the first time is really no big deal because you've done it so many times. You have that practice over and over and over again. And really, that is part of being effective. So, that You can do it without almost even thinking. You have confidence. You have the reliance on the tools uh, over the development uh, processes. You've really kind of tweaked those things uh, throughout the process, and you've really kind of put together a CI, CD pipeline that uh, really enables you to move your apps forward. So um, that's effective architecture. And we have... Really all the tools in angular to uh, really kind of define uh, different types of components con- con- container presentational components we have pipes and directives that have their own re- the responsibilities and we can have these uh, these separation of concerns in our applications by having these feature modules and grouping related things together right and now that we're using tools like typescript, we have the ability to have object-oriented programming paradigms in our development. We can use design patterns. We can have inheritance, abstraction, polymorphism. All these things are really cool and you can actually create interfaces now with uh, TypeScript. So, even the language... Helps us to develop and be more effective because we have more capabilities and different ways of doing things and how we really just implement those features and such. So, uh, being effective and um, uh, being and uh, uh, having the, the right uh, the knowledge and experience means that we have to have uh, knowledge of our tools and our materials and what those capabilities and attributes are of those things. So we have to become familiar with our tools and materials. We have to become familiar with our IDE that we use, Visual Studio Code. Uh, Learn uh, the keyboard shortcuts are going to make you do things a lot faster. Learn how to use Git, the Git commands, how to do your builds uh, using uh, the Angular CLI commands and the Yarn or NPM commands so that you can do these things and basically version your software. You can run your tests. You can run your apps. You can basically watch your apps and and run the tests and and such from uh, the command line. Um, There's tooling for that, but uh, um, the Visual Studio Code environment has lots of different capabilities. So we're not going to be effective if we don't know how to use the tools. So if it's your first day on a job and you're asked to build a pyramid, you've never done that before, you're going to have to learn from somebody. So... uh, Take your time. It's a learning experience. Uh, What you know today isn't going to be the things you know one month from now or one year or five or ten years from now. You're always going to be learning. Uh, Being a developer means just learning and becoming uh, awesome at what you do over a long period of time. So it's almost like a marathon. So... Try not to get uh, distracted by all the shiny new objects that continually come our way. Uh, Focus on principles, focus on learning your tools well, and focus on uh, delivering the right thing at the right time for the right people and being effective in uh, how we do that. You've been listening to the Angular Alicious podcast, where there's no excuse to get it right the first time visit the angularlicious website that's angular l-i-c-i-o dot u-s or for the other people angularlicious.com join the conversation subscribe access show notes and get your